0: Amen. All right, and to the, any of you that are traveling this weekend, we speak blessing and protection over you. That You'll have a safe journey and that no evil would befall you or even come nigh unto you. And we also, one more declaration before we get into the Word. May the blood of Jesus be upon every one of you. I continue to reiterate the covering of the blood over you and your household that this plague, this pestilence, will not come nigh you in any way, and that you will be preserved and kept in the name of Jesus. It was a blessing to be able to spend, as Monica mentioned, in Sunday school, um, several sessions with our brothers and sisters in France. Um, It was uh, bittersweet knowing that we would have been there and... um, But we were able to be there in the spirit and in being able to reach out to those who would have been attending that conference and to give the word of the Lord. And we continue to pray for what God is doing in Western Europe and through Western Europe. And I also want to remind you that um, our congregation and many of the network churches are praying this week for South America and Latin America. Uh, Today, we're praying for Brother Faladin and his wife and the people in Nigeria. But tomorrow, we pray for Mexico, for Yawali, who is our Latin American representative. And then for the rest of uh, the weekdays, we pray for pastors, leaders in Brazil. And they certainly need prayer during this season, and we need to be in prayer for them. So please be faithful to do that each day. Saturday, we're praying for Ratnakumar in India, and um, that nation (laughs) needs prayer. So let's be faithful to pray for these ones that God has aligned with us. And um, there's no distance. There's no distance in our prayers. God hears them. He's with all of us. And that's just a reminder for the assignment that is upon us. So no teaching sheet today. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty. This is a passage of scripture that was very famous at the beginning of this year, 2020. You know, and um, it was a good it was a good um, sequence for everyone to to look at. But the Lord drew me here um, because of uh, what's at the very end of it. And that's the Valley of Baracha, Baracha. You play your Maracha in Baracha. (laughs) So we'll talk about the Valley of Baracha and what that means. I've sure been enjoying this um, time of exhortation from the Valley. I've been prayerfully trying to determine where to record each of them to give each of you who have not been able to be here in the house of the Lord Uh, perspective of the various places where we all cherish and where we all pray. Um, And um, I was really searching yesterday afternoon for what the Father wanted me to share from the Word. And I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't getting anywhere. I was studying a lot of different things and seeing a lot of things that were exciting. But for me, there's a difference between seeing that and feeling the Lord say, this is what I want. It's a very clear difference for me. And I wasn't feeling that this is what I want for tomorrow. And so I just sat back and I prayed a little bit in uh, the happy place. And I felt the Spirit say, I want you to look at the passages where Valley is again. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And when I came to the Valley of Barachah, I knew that this is what God was wanting us to share today. So... Here's the scope of what was happening in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. King Jehoshaphat was a, he was an interesting king. He did a lot of things that were right. He did a lot of things that were really unwise. One of the problems he had for whatever his motive was, was that he continued to link himself with the godless nation known as Israel. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and, you know, one of the famous passages that we studied recently was the Valley of Ditches, when Jehoshaphat went with the king of Israel, and Elisha came, and Elisha comes in, and remember what he said, it was the bring me a minstrel, make this valley full of ditches, and he looks at the king of, Judah, uh, of Israel, and he said, I don't have any respect for you at all, <laughs> and the only reason I'm here is because I respect the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat. And um, so throughout Jehoshaphat's reign, he just kept making alliances with the kings of Israel, and they were just, to a man, just as evil as could be. Uh, and it, it got the people of God into t- challenging situations. But here we find in Second Chronicles chapter 20 that a, an alliance of three different groups of people came together against Jehoshaphat. And there in verse 1, it speaks of Moab and Ammon. But in verse 10, uh, we see who the other beside the Ammonites were, and that was the the people of Mount Seir. Now, who were these folks? You should know this, but I'll just remind you. Um, You have in Moab, this was, Moab was the son of, of Lot's oldest daughter and of course the father was Lot. You remember that story when they left out of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot's wife looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. Those goofy girls got it in their head that their life was over, that they were banished from all their friends so they got their father drunk and had relationships with him. And so the oldest daughter had Moab. Well what about Ammon? The youngest daughter had Ammon, and so these were the descendants of Lot's horrible relationship with his daughters, and these were people that should have been driven out of the land when Israel came in, but they didn't do it. And and some scholars have wondered, was it because they had familial relationships? Family's kind of tricky. Even the odd members of the family. You know, you still feel that you have some kind of a tolerance for them, you know, and um, who knows? I, I chalk it up to what the angel said. They were just disobedient and not wiping these people out. Well, who were the inhabitants of Mount Seir? Well, this is another dark chapter in Israel's history. These were the descendants of Esau who was the guy who sold his birthright for a mess of beans. And Jacob bought the birthright for him because he was really good at cooking and his brother was really bad at taming his impulsiveness. So what you have here is this confederacy of the, the children of Lot who separated themselves from Abram and went into the wicked places of Sodom and Gomorrah. And additionally, you had these these descendants of Esau who sold themselves, their birthright, away for their their fleshly desires. And it's interesting, too, that seer means hairy. I don't mean hairy like Harry Delaney. I mean H-A-I-R-Y. Isn't that something? They must have been hairy people. Esau was hairy. Remember how Jacob deceived? uh, uh, Remember how he deceived his dad? (laughs) He put the animal skin in his. That must have been a weird boy. Esau must have just been weird. He must have been like a troglodyte. He had a lot of hair. And so they just called his descendants who lived up there in the mountains the hairy people, which is what seer means. So here comes this strange configuration of Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. They're all related to one another. And they decide that they're going to have it out with Jehoshaphat. And it must have been a fearsome thing because when they hear that these people are coming, Jehoshaphat is shaken. And he he proclaimed a fast. And he called the people to seek the Lord. And they really got serious They begin to lay on their face and call upon God for freedom and for deliverance. And God began to speak to them. And in verse 14, you have Jehaziel, who is the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael. Get get this all straight. The son of Mataniah. Just, Just want to make sure you knew which one this was. I don't know how many Jehaziels there were around there. But this guy has a resume that is as long as a gorilla's arm. And there it is. And it didn't stop there. He was a Levite of the sons of Asaph. And he came He came through the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken you all Jerusalem and you inhabitants of, uh, of Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord your, unto you, Do not be afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go you down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. That must have been an interesting place. The cliff of Ziz. Um, It's just, they're funny words in the Bible. And you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Zerul. Jerul. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand you still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all, I don't know how else you would bow your head. You know, if you're bowing your head, your face probably facing the ground, but it's very clear there. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, and they shakad before the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And here's 20:20. They rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, and this is what we want to look at. We're going to come back to this. But I wonder about this configuration, these three groups. And I wonder if, you know, if you look in the Bible, sometimes we skip over the confederations that are coming against the people of God. But I do believe that they have significance. And I think that there's a number of reasons the Lord directed us to this passage today. Number one, you've got the the scenario of Lot, and you've got the scenario of Esau. And I think that both of those are very prevalent, not only in our country, but in the world. These are spiritual influences. You have people that abandon what walking in faith is, and they go after the lusts of the world. That's what Lot did. In fact, it was so much so that his wife couldn't bear herself to to break away from it. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. That was that influence. We've got a lot of that going on in the world today. And then we've got those that are willing to sell their gifts for whatever kind of uh, temporary uh, uh, earthly pleasure there might be. And I think that configuration is coming together in some ways, and it's truly designed to stop the true people of God. And I think we've got to be aware of this and we've got to be ready for it. And the answer against that is very clear. If we will devote ourselves, if we will fast, if we will lay on our face before God and if we will seek Him, God will say to us, I'm going to stand against this. You're not going to need to fight against this. I'm going to help. I'm going to help you. Now, we come to verse 20 now, and this is incredible. Um, Look at the words that Jehoshaphat says in this environment as the king of Judah. He says, hear me, and that is Shema. Make sure that what I'm telling you, you take to heart, and you don't only hear it, but you obey and you do it. O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, Believe in Yahweh Elohim. Believe there is Aman. So shall you be established. Established is Aman. Believe His prophets. Believe is Aman. So shall you prosper. And that word speaks about Salah, which means that you are going to become the recipient of the thing that you've been in the Selah for. Now that's an incredible thing. Can, can you imagine all of those Amans together? And what is iman? We remember this. Iman is the essence of belief and faith in the Old Testament. It means right hand. And it means what God would say to his people prophetically from his right hand. To be a covenant people, to be sons You have to be established where Christ sits right now at the right hand of God. And that means, first of all, that you place yourself there. You want to hear that. Your identity is there. Your hope is there. You're not the people of the left hand that is just impulsive, going and doing whatever you want to do. That's what Ammon and Moab and Seir were. They were all people who demonstrated the left hand. But Jehoshaphat gets up and he lays out this pathway of Ammon's, and he just he just says what we're dedicating ourselves to is to be before the throne of God. We're going to do what Abram did. We're going to do what Moses did. We're going to believe, which is Ammon, and we're going to triumph because of that. And through that, then, we're going to have prophetic inclination, and there are going to be prophetic words that are also going to be Ammon. And if we do all of that stuff, we will make it through every challenge that separates us from our promise. And we will become that fulfillment of the Selah. We will become that fulfillment of our intercession. We will become that fulfillment of what we've believed God for. This is a tremendous thing. You know, we've said it, and it's true. That's the beauty of the word of the Lord. This is a famous verse. And we should believe what the plan of God is, as reiterated from the heart of God. We should believe God's prophets. But when you interlace that with the words that are very powerfully here, particularly this assortment of Amans, this king is dedicating themselves to being what they should have been as the seed of Abram, as those that walked in the, the footsteps of Moses who led them to this land. And all of those things are there. And so, verse 21, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto Yahweh that should praise the beauty of holiness. Remember, we've taught about this. This is, this is to halal according to the intricacies of what you prophetically believe God is going to do. Remember halal when David made himself as a crazy man, when he was in the hometown of, when he fled into the hometown of Goliath. And apparently, the beauty of holiness, though, was the intricacies of God's plan. To be able to look and say, only God could have put all of these things together. It is like an orchestra. And and it's just magnificent To, to praise him, Halal, according to this, is what this group of singers and players were doing at the front of the army. And as they went out, they said, Praise the Lord for his chesed endures forever. Endures forever is a colorful poetic phrase. It means to be able to look at it, and you can see it so far away, it still extends until it's past your vision, but it's still there. We need the directive of God. That's what mercy is. And so this is an incredible two verses. It is one of the most prolific, proclamations made by any of the kings of the people of God. And this is something that I believe we need to see today for our own lives. We need to make sure that we're so rooted at the right hand of God during these days, that we're on our faces before him, that we're listening to what he would say, and that we're trusting him. And that's the unique thing about this particular season, whatever the enemy concocted with this virus and what God allowed it to be so that he could bring a sevenfold blessing and a sevenfold breakthrough. We've been given time to wait on God. Only He can bring this. If you're looking for the CDC to do it, they can't, you know, I bless them, but they don't seem to be able to make up their mind as to really what's going on, and I give them credit for that. I can't fault them. Wear masks, don't wear masks. You know, this stuff is all over everything this week. They said, well, you know, it's probably not spread that way very much. You know, so all of you who were changing clothes and you walked in the door and you wiped everything down, CDC says, well, that may get through to you that way, but it is very unlikely. That just came out yesterday. I don't fault them at all. I, I bless them. But our hope is in the Lord. Man doesn't have an answer. Maybe there'll be a vaccine that comes at some point, but we really need to be before the right hand of God. And we need to recognize that we can't fight in this battle. Only God is going to help us. And he's going to do what we're going to read next. When they began to sing into praise, the Lord set ambushments, ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Harry, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten Remember, we learned last week what smitten is. For the children of Ammon and Moab, listen to this, they stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. I have no idea why they would have been fighting against their hairy brethren. I don't don't understand that. Only God could have initiated a a division in the confederacy. It's easy to do. I mean, Napoleon said on a number of occasions that he loved to fight against confederations because there was always a way that you could find to permeate them or to set them into confusion. And I think that the enemy has put together a group in this particular season that is a A close-knit alliance of a lot of different nefarious factions that basically want to destroy what the church represents, destroy moral standards. And I believe that the Lord is in the process of putting ambushments between that. I'm believing for that. How about if we believe for that? We don't want these people to be hurt, but we want the foolishness of their arguments to be shown for what they are. And, you know, That's the thing about it. If you say enough nonsense and you say enough lies, pretty soon the truth will find you out. And what we need right now is for the things that the enemy was trying to do in our nation and in the nations of the earth to be met by Yahweh and for God to sow ambushments in between. But you know what? What's going to help that to happen? Us finding our place on our face before God, listening to what He says from the right hand, and prophetically enunciating that. Through that, we will see the Salah. And through that, we will enter into a constant stream of the mercy of God where He's directing us as to what to do. That's really what we need. I'm believing that we're going to see a new season for us as we emerge from this, where we are hearing more clearly from God than we ever have, And that we will have unique directives from him in all of the facets that he promises in his word that he will direct his people through. But it's a devotion to what's going on at his right hand and to the plan of God. This continues. So Moab and Ammon start attacking their hairy brethren. And I keep saying that because that's what that word means. And um, they're destroyed. And then they turn on one another, they turn on one another. And they completely destroy the confederated army. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked under the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. Isn't that weird? You would think by the time the last two guys were fighting each other, that they'd, they'd look around and they'd say, you know what, this ain't working. Everybody else is laying dead. Why do they keep fighting? <laughs> Why did those last two guys with one thrust against each other kill and then everybody's dead? I don't know. Some of these things don't make sense, but God is able to work a complete work. And he can confuse the enemy, and that's what we believe is going to happen, that it's going to trigger a great move of God, a great move of his spirit in the days that we're going to see soon. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies, precious jewels. Who brings a bunch of precious jewels out to fight? I guess people that are left-handed. Which they stripped off for themselves more than that they could carry away, and they were three days in gathering the spoil. By that third day, man, you must have really wanted those jewels. That's yea he stinketh territory. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barachah. For there they blessed Yahweh. Therefore the name of the place was called the valley of Barachah unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies, and they came to Jerusalem with psalteries, harps, trumpets under the house of the Lord, and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel, and God gave to Jehoshaphat quietness and rest round about. Now, let's talk about this, and then we're going to end with one other statement, and then we're done. This is a very interesting thing, this Valley of Barakah, because we looked at this before when we were studying in Psalm 84 about the Valley of Baca. And we remember that one of the things that happened there was that God, when you were waiting at the mulberry trees and you were pouring yourself out for wisdom, one of the things that happens is God will not only bring victory and awaken the ancient wells, But he will bring understanding. He will bring teaching. He will cause you to be able to instruct those who are called to be sons that you're sending forth as arrows. God will present a covering. (coughs) And he will then develop pools of barakah. And that, as Monica mentioned earlier, that barak is to kneel before God for a commissioning. And that's what they called this valley. That's what they called this valley, the Valley of Baracha. And they believed at that point that God had given them such a victory that they were being commissioned for a new day. And really, God gave rest to Jehoshaphat for the rest of his rule. The problem was that the people of God did the same half-baked job that they did throughout much of the Old Testament. One of the things we didn't talk about was Why were these Moabites there as part of this confederation? Well, not long before, Jehoshaphat was with Elisha, and the valley full of ditches was against the Moabites. And remember, they chased Misha, who was the Moabite leader, back to his city. Misha sacrificed his son on the walls, and instead of coming against that outrage, the people of God were succumbing to the spiritual atmosphere and the absolute horrendous nature of that sacrifice, and they just packed up and went home. They could have eliminated Moab right there. And they didn't do it. And here's the deal. Remember what we've said. You've got to let God win the victory. You can't let any of them... Remember when God told Saul in... um, through Samuel, I want you to go, and I want you to kill Agag. I want you to destroy everything in this city. Saul didn't do it. He kept Agag alive. He kept all the animals alive. And Samuel said, why did you disobey the Lord? And he said, I have obeyed the Lord. And he said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? And Elisha, and Samuel went, and he hacked that king to pieces. Remember that? So when you have the chance to win the victory, don't, don't stop until the total victory is there. You know, it's kind of weird. Um, it's kind of weird to think that that happens. But Israel was famous for it. They come into the land, they get their land. All right, we're okay. We'll stop driving out the ites. We won't eliminate any of them. And that, the ites come back to bite, that's for sure. Put that out there on the sign. S- write a song about that, Noah. That'll be a big hit out there in California. IA. Now, the other thing we wanted to see was this. When the Bible's speaking about Jehoshaphat and his reign, it says he did good things, but he did not destroy the high places. And when he died, his son took over, And his son immediately bonded again with the kings of Israel, and wickedness reigned. So we've got to believe God in this season. There's a reason that God brought us to us. I do believe that this thing that I, I, it's just mushroom. This business about the valleys has been something that God just keeps speaking to. And we've learned lesson after lesson after lesson of what we should be believing God for in our victory in this season. This is one of them. I think we need to declare and believe that as we seek our God, that all of the devices that the enemy has been putting together against our country are going to begin to experience the ambushments of God. And it's going to pave the way for the victories that God's going to bring. But I have bad news for you. As is prophesied in the book of Daniel, the saints are going to gain great victories like this but then, according to the timetable of God, there's going to be a rising of the enemy again. And I don't know when that will be, but we need, to, we need to really take full advantage of what God is bringing before us right now. How can the enemy do that? Well, I think that there's always going to be people that are willing to follow the enemy. Even after Satan is enslaved for 1,000 years, and the millennial reign of Christ is on the earth. Satan's going to be released for a season. He's going to come and he's going to surround the camp of the saints. Remember, we've studied this recently and it says the number of people that follow him will be as the sand of the sea. See that? That's that's an amen. <laughs> that's okay. Um, but the good news is that this valley that we are coming through right now is a valley of Barakah for us. And we need to do the things that Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat speaks clearly. And we need to believe for the breakthrough that God's going to give, that he's going to send ambushments, he's going to scatter the enemy, and he's going to cause us to gain spoils. He's going to cause us to have so much treasure and so much victory that it's going to take days for us to be able to to count it all. It's going to be so much. And may we know how to really be promoted into what God is going to expect for us. And may we not stop. And may the saints that are gathered around in the nations of the earth, may they not stop until we gain the full victory that God has ordained for this season. And I'm going to end by finding a quote that I saw, um, I was just reading about valleys and I read this quote by a naturalist and he said, you see, from the perspective of the valley, you see great, great things, the majesty of the mountain peaks in full splendor. And you see greater things in the middle of the valley than you do from the mountain peaks. From the mountain peaks, everything looks small. From the valley, everything looks big. Let's look real big in this valley. and See all the things that God has for us. And let's be that people who bow our hearts before God, who are on our faces, and who make sure that we surround ourselves with what God is saying at the right hand of his throne. Father, I bless the saints. I bless my congregation, those who are here, those that are joining together from many places around this city and around this state and really from around the world. I bless the churches of the saints and the outposts of the saints, the prayer groups, the individuals. I continue to declare the blood of Jesus over everyone that it would be upon the doorposts and lintels of our houses and of our of our places of ministry that Whatever is coming against the world would not come nigh us because of the blood of Jesus. And we're going to emerge from this as those people in the first Passover did, and we're going to know triumph over the firstborn of the enemy, and we're going to know uh, riches beyond compare, both in the natural and in the spirit, which is most important. Help us to accomplish what you've given us to accomplish. And finally, Father, I ask you if there is anybody who's watching this broadcast right now, who is in need of healing in their body or or a resolution of of some kind of, of, uh, of an attack that's coming against them. As I extend my hand to them, I ask you, Father, that your hand would be offered in a partnership, that they would be whole, that they would be healed in Jesus' name, that they would be free, and that you would give such a great victory that it will be a resounding blessing and a testimony. We heard the testimony Monica gave this morning. May there be dozens of testimonies this week of people who have been similarly freed by the hand of God. And I thank you for this, Father. Bless your people. Bless our nation on this Memorial Day weekend. And may the glory of God be known. Oh, I said that was the last thing, but one more thing. Father regardless of our political stand on which side of the aisle we may lean to. This week, the president of this country declared that in this hour, we need prayer. And in this hour, the churches need to be able to gather because what we do before you is essential in this land. And we stand in agreement with that. And we ask a blessing upon that proclamation from the leader of this country, and we come against any kind of ill will or negative thing, negativity, that might be being spoken against that word, and we put that to flight. We pray that you will cover and protect the leaders of this nation, of our state, and for those that are are in any point of leadership in governmentally over us. We speak blessing over them, and we speak blessing over this nation, We thank you for what you still have in store for this country. You're not finished with America yet, Father. And I thank you that that your blessing is upon our leaders and upon this nation. And we ask all of these things in full confidence, for it is done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for joining with us today, wherever you may be tuning in. And we will look forward to this week. Again, be faithful to look on Facebook. I think we've got a special music offering coming that's going to be for tomorrow. And then um, I, I don't know, Kelly's not here this morning, but I think we've got two very powerful women of God who are going to be bringing exhortations this week. I'm going to continue with this valley thing as long as the, the Lord keeps me in the valley. We'll see you on Wednesday Night Live. Don't forget Saints Radio on Tuesday, Message of the Week on Monday for France. And uh, got a lot of stuff going on. God bless you all. Be safe and well. Goodbye.